You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Police Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, and they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. That moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm-hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you miseducated the whole population. Then you can make money off those people. So what is the gospel? What is the pure unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by. Because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate, is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Peace and blessings. Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge, and we unapologetically discuss our worldview. I am unconditioned and unlimited. I am indivisible duality. I am divine. I am man. I am your host, Emmanuel Williams. Welcome back. I am recording this episode from the house on today, December 5th, 2022. I have a few things I want to talk about today, y'all. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is the reparations legislation that is potentially about to get passed in California. All right. Reparations for descendants of slaves based upon discriminatory practices in California as it pertains to housing. Folks are potentially California residents that can trace their lineage back to slavery are potentially going to get 223,000. But that's the second thing I'm going to talk about. The first thing I'm going to talk about is Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, football hall of famer, prime time, neon Deion, that guy. He is um, moving on from Jackson state. He is going to University of Colorado. So he's taking a a different job. Well, same job, different location, Um, bigger conference going from FCS to FBS. So division two to to division one, Um, going from a three hundred thousand dollar salary to a five million dollar salary. Going from a place that, you know, didn't have good facilities, decent enough facilities to attract um, kids at a higher talent level um, more consistently to a program that has all has all the things like they don't they don't need money. They just need a good coach and somebody that can recruit and someone that can bring a winning attitude. So and then but there's the thing that's blowing me away is the backlash from the black community. This double standard that we, that a lot of black folks are holding. And it's like this love, hate expression 
<laughs> when it comes to Dion. Everybody loved Dion when he was um, giving half of his salary, or if they even knew that he was giving half of his salary to help improve the facilities for the kids. Right. Everybody loved Dion when he was over there um, winning. I mean, he he they, they won their first swag championship last year. They went 11 and one or 11 and two. They won 11 games last year and then this year they're undefeated. Right. And so um, Jackson State hadn't won a swag championship since 2007. I was a senior in college in 2007. That was the last time Jackson State won the swag championship their conference championship Jackson state hadn't had a winning record since like 2013. Right. And so Deion Sanders comes in, turns this university around. Um, he's through his influence and through his charisma uh, and just through his consistent greatness, like everywhere he goes, he, he wins, he does well. He improves the situation because of who he is and what he does, he's been able to amplify HBCUs um, and just kind of make it more popular for kids to choose HBCUs, right? Um, and so he's moved on in this whole week, in this past week. There's been so much backlash. And it really hurts to see it all over social media and, and now in major publications like Deadspin and, and other places. Um everybody's mad at Dion for moving on and, and taking another job, right? Like and it's funny, there's there's so many angles to attack this. So let me let me start with first things first. The main thing that gives me pause and really disturbs me is this level of entitlement of, you know, black folks where we think that for one, we have the savior mentality, whether it's a black or a white savior. It's like there's this savior mentality where we think that the, the best and the brightest entertainers or the most accomplished entertainers are supposed to lay their lives on the line and sacrifice for everybody else. And I'm, I'm even I'm even so we think as a whole, there's backlash because we think as a group, not everybody, but by and large, this is the the uh, reason why this is there's a, a, I guess, negative sentiment or kind of scandal about this move is because of the overwhelming vocal minority or majority of people that feel a certain type of way about Dion and what he did. There's this thing where we, we think that folks are just supposed to sacrifice and lay on the altar for everybody else. And all of that, it, it sounds good. It sounds altruistic. It sounds like, man, that's, that's what you are supposed to do. Right. But people who don't sacrifice in their day-to-day -day lives, expect those that have lived a life of sacrifice that have lived a life of discipline that have given up a lot more than these other critics have ever given up. They expect people to continue to give and give and give until you are sucked dry and crushed to a pulp. 
Yes, Dion came in and he was like, man, we're going to change HBCUs. We're going to elevate this. We're going to go from Division 2 to Division 1. We're going to go from FCS to FBS. We're going to take this thing. That's just Dion, man. Dion, whatever he does, he tries to do it to the highest level. He's the guy that had the audacity to play professional football and, per, and play professional baseball at the same time. Play a game, play a football game, and then go play in the World Series in the same day. <laughs> right? Like, that's the audacity that this man has. So, whatever he says, he's going to say something that has never happened or that people don't automatically think that this is going to happen or this could happen. That's the way he operates. So people are mad like, oh, he didn't he didn't fulfill his promise. He said he was going to do this and he was going to do that. Well, he said he's going to do a lot of things. <laughs> right. But like he's one person. He's one person. He's a man with a family, with desires, with opportunities and a man that has sacrificed greatly. So let me go back to the sacrifice part. Um, I literally had a discussion last week, two weeks ago, actually. And um, and it's kind of parallel to what's going on right now. So in this discussion, uh, it was a small group of folks, about six of us. And it was a few people that it was all, all black people. Um, and but two of them were from immigrant backgrounds. Right. And they had these sentiments about, you know, black Americans and, and, you know, what what we should be doing or what we could be doing, what we're capable of. And, you know, kind of the Kyrie and Kanye situation, but more Kyrie and like LeBron speaking against Kyrie and all this type of stuff. And so essentially, you know, it was this uh, one young woman. She was from she's born in America, but her parents are Kenyan immigrants. She grew up in like Southern California and um she was saying like you know black americans you guys got to understand how powerful you are like you guys have so much power you guys are the standard of blackness and you guys set the tone for blackness and what is perceived as black and you guys have are the highest achieving black people in the world even though we have our own countries we look at you guys and we look up to you guys you guys have the most power the most influence and I just hate that somebody like LeBron would talk down on Kyrie and, and and go against Kyrie and what he's standing for. And, you know, to a certain extent, I get her sentiments like, yeah, I get it. Like, I want everybody to be able to speak up and speak their mind and stand on their square or whatever. But she's like, you know, but but LeBron is, is a sellout. And it's, it's just it's just so sad to see, you know, black Americans like not understand their power and use their power like like if you just stand up to these people and like you sacrifice, like, do you understand how much better it would be for everybody else if you just like use your power? But it's but but I feel like black Americans, you guys don't understand your power. You guys have all this power, but you don't understand it. And it's crazy because like us as immigrants, we understand like, you know, it's a blessing to live in America and, it, and it's a blessing to be able to speak and speak your mind and be able to make money. And I feel like we as Africans, especially my, my Kenyan culture, like we understand our power, but it's just unfortunate that we don't use it. But you guys, you guys have all this power and you don't you don't understand it. And it just it really just it blows my mind. And so I just got to stay in my own lane, just do what I do. But I just really want to see folks really understand their power and really sacrifice for the greater good. So she said all that 
And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold, 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 hold on. So you mean to tell me, one, you think we have power. That means you don't understand what power actually is. Um, and she was saying something to the fact that there's no such thing as white supremacy. We just use that term and we, we, we give that term power and we give these people power. And I'm like, look, first of all, when we say white supremacy, we're talking about power. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about absolute power in all areas of activity. And so one black people in America, so-called entertainers and, um, athletes are not leaders they are just that they're entertainers and athletes they are influencers they may have money but kanye just showed you and Kyrie just showed you no matter how much talent you have no matter how much money you have you don't have power and control to live by your beliefs and live by your truths you don't have an institution where you can control and navigate everything that you want to do in every way that you want to do it and so that was one white supremacy is absolute control over all areas of activity economics education entertainment labor law politics religion sex and war two once again people have that get to those highest levels have sacrificed so much personally emotionally whatever the case might be just to get where they're at and it's so funny how people that don't sacrifice, that don't know what it is to sacrifice. Because if you knew what it was to sacrifice, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be um, volunteering or voluntelling somebody to sacrifice. Like sacrifice is not hard and it's not something that you choose to do just to be doing it. You do it for a greater good. You have a goal and you do it to be able to achieve. But it's not pretty it's not glamorous and it kind of sucks so people sacrifice just to achieve and be excellent at what they do but then you want them to give it all up for you you want black americans to give up everything that we've accomplished and continue to do whatever we got to do to stand in our truth but you want us to sacrifice it all so that we can make it better for you right and so all these people and i and i say that to bring it back to dion all these people and all these people here that are hating on dion now or have something negative to say about his actions now it's not even a, a immigrant thing where somebody is telling somebody on the outside of black culture um outside looking in that sees themselves apart from black culture is looking at us like you you should do this no it's our own saying you need to continue to sacrifice. I know you was making millions at the at the NFL network. I know that you gave up half your salary just to help us out, which is something that nobody does. No coaches give up their salary to help out the organization, to help out the team. The coach makes 300,000. He Dion he was they were the first team to ever have their spring game aired on ESPN like they're getting money they're getting added revenue that they were not getting when they had that losing record and even when they won the championship they never got as much money as they gotten in the two years that Dion has been there he stimulated the economy he's done so much he's done so much in a short amount of time and y'all want him to continue to sacrifice this man lost two toes 
Do y'all know he lost two toes? I'm not saying it's because of the, the team, but this man went through surgery and like his life was, he had blood clots in his leg. Like he was about to lose his leg, potentially lose his life. And they just happened to, all right, let's, we got to cut off these two toes to save your leg and therefore save your life because of these blood clots. So Dion has been through a lot in his two years there. And anybody that's been through some kind of life-threatening, and Dion is, what, 54, 55 years old? Like, he might have had a certain mindset of what he wanted to do when he first started. After that surgery, I don't blame him for saying, you know what? Actually, I know I said I was going to do all this, but, you know, I don't know how much time I got. So I'm going to try to um, expedite the rate at which I achieve my goals. I don't think Dion, everybody knows that Dion did not set out to be an HBCU coach for the next 10, 15 years. He never set out to do that. Everybody know that he was trying to coach at Florida State and he ended up at Jackson State. That was where he got his opportunity. So once again, long story less long, two years of excellence. And now he gets offered a job to be the coach at the University of Colorado in Boulder, Colorado. They offered him $5 million a year, which is really good. Um, and he ends up taking a job. And on social media, and in, you know, real regular media, traditional media, all hell breaks loose. And all of a sudden, Dion is a sellout. All of a sudden, Dion is a liar. He's a manipulator. He's this, he's that. And all the people that loved him are now his biggest haters. It's a whole lot of crabs in his bucket, and it's not gumbo, okay? It's a whole lot of crabs in this bucket. Now, I want to briefly read a post um, that was shared with me. And, and this post really encapsulates a lot of what I've read on Instagram and Twitter over the past weekend. And so it, it seems like it's a uh, and I'm not going to name like the, the person who posted it, but essentially it seems to be like a retort. But an explanation. All right. And so it says. So many people said I was hating and bringing down another black man when I said I wasn't a fan of Dion coming to a HBCU. But HBCUs did more for Dion than he did for us. Let's check the stats pause so that's a prevalent point of view that hbcus did more for dion than he did for us and just before i even get into his so-called stats let's just break down the logic if hbcus did more for dion than dion did for them then what's the big uproar about you should there should be nothing to worry about if that was the case, then it should be all right. So well, like, or so long, like, oh well, all right, Dion leaving. Okay, cool. We still us, right? If people were so content and so secure in HBCU's level of achievement and accomplishment, and you know the light that's been shined, that's been you know placed on HBCUs in the past couple of years, if they were consistent that they could keep that up, folks that so-called love HBCUs so much then why would they be worried about him leaving if he's not a factor, right? But obviously that's not the case. 
That's obviously not the case based upon the re the reaction and the negativity being thrown his way. Let me continue to read. Quote, Dion wanted to coach college football. He didn't have a degree and the PWI he played football for couldn't get him a degree. That was Florida State. Talladega College at HBCU steps in and gets him a degree. That's love. My uh, my mother-in-law used to teach at Talladega. Shout out to Talladega. Um, then he wants to coach college football at FSU, Florida State. They tell him no. Jackson State steps up and gives him a job. Now he is leaving for PWI based off the opportunities that HBCU provided him. <laughs> All Deion Sanders did was make our schools look like stepping stones to greener pastures instead of making us the greener pasture. Don't come running back when you need us. Plain and simple, he used us. All HBCU grads should be offended. But hey, I warned y'all. First thing first, I'm not offended. I'm not offended in the least bit. Second, all Deion Sanders did was make our schools look like stepping stones to greener pastures. Every school is a stepping stone to greener pastures. It don't, it's not about HBC. And that's the thing. People getting caught up in their feelings about coaches doing what coach. This is what coaches do. <laughs> this is how sports works. As in, in college sports, this is what happens. Every coach has to start somewhere. Every coach has started somewhere. Nick Saban started at a small what, Toledo or something like that. Like less, less miles. I don't know where less miles. Start. Like championship coaches, you start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Everybody don't start off working at Alabama or Florida State. You got to work your way up. Chip Kelly started at what New Hampshire, right? And then went from New Hampshire to offensive coordinator at Oregon and then became the head coach at Oregon. And now he's at like UCLA, right? Like you have to start somewhere. So it just so happened that he started at Jackson state. He got hired at Jackson state. He got hired to do a job. He did the job extremely well. And this is what happens in college football. You do a, a, a good job and then you get attracted. You, you, you attract um, universities with more history and bigger pockets and then you move there and you keep moving until you're settled and then when you settle you typically stop going co coaching to college and you're eventually going to go to the NFL that's just how it works guys but people are taking this so personally and black folks that, and that's the problem with, with black culture in America right now we impose a double standard on ourselves. If a white coach came and was successful and, and the white coach left, there would not be this uproar. Or if it was just somebody who was not a celebrity, but it's something about the relationship of black Americans to black celebrities. And we have this level of entitlement and we think that these celebrities owe us everything and should do exactly what we want them to do. And they need to sacrifice for us. But once again, my issue and what I want to point out to everyone is if you are not sacrificing 
in your everyday life at the same level that you're trying to hold someone else to, you have to look at yourself. Am I doing the same thing? Because if I'm not, then who am I to criticize? One. Two, let's say you are sacrificing at a similar level and you get let's let's say, you know, you're uh, a marketing manager. Right. And you're working at X, Y, Z company. And X, Y, Z company is black owned and so on and so forth. Um, and they're paying you sixty thousand dollars a year. And then you come in, you run a few campaigns, you attract some big corporate clients. And then over the course of your two years there, you bring in five times the amount of revenue that they've made in the past two years. And then it comes for a raise two years later and they say, oh, um, Daniel, you did a great job. Uh, Michelle, you did a great job. Uh, we're we're going to give you a raise. And so we're going to um, bring you up to seventy five thousand. But then you on LinkedIn and people is in your inbox and they're like, hey, we've seen what you did. We've seen that Budweiser campaign you ran. We've seen that that Under Armour campaign you ran. That was genius. Hey, um, we want to bring you in as the lead X, Y and Z manager at such and such firm. Uh, we start at one hundred fifty and, um, you know, we plan to based upon certain benchmarks and, and bonuses and stock options um, by year two or three, you could be earning around 225. How, how does that sound? Now you, are you going to sacrifice your future for another organization who is not going to give you the value because you're making all the, all your money for them? No, you're not. You're going to do what's best for you and your career. And that's not a bad thing. That's what everybody does. <laughs> everybody, you work hard to be able to earn more or get put in a position to earn more and maximize your talent. That's exactly what Dion has done. Now, if you started off at that firm, he's like, you know, I want to make this firm the best firm. I want to blah, blah, blah. But it's like if they're not committed to investing in you at a sim, at least half as much as the others then why would you stay if there's no promise of being able to do what you do at the highest level and get compensated the way that you should be compensated you deserve that higher level of compensation because you've paid the cost you've made the revenue you've made the impact and you know good and well in your everyday life, you would take that promotion. You would take it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to Dion, for some reason, we as black people, as a whole, I know it's a lot of y'all that's listening probably don't feel this way. But it's a lot, it's, it's, it's enough to say that we as a whole are willing to denigrate and tear this man down. Because he made a business decision and he made a decision that every other coach is not 
vilified for moving up in the ranks in coaching. That's a part of the game. It's a game. <laughs> this is a game. We're not talking about a, a actual like institution of what it's a game. He's a coach of a game. Y'all think he going to change black the trajectory of black America because of what he does in this game? Not an institution. Not a business. A game. Come on, man. So at the end of the day, did Dion make our schools look like stepping stones of greener pasture, greener pastures instead of making us the green pasture? He doesn't have the power to make Jackson State the green pasture because guess what? He doesn't control Jackson State. Whenever he leaves, whether it's two years, four years, six years, Jackson State is probably just going to still be Jackson State. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the long and short of it. That's the truth. He does, he's he's not the administration. He doesn't run the school. He doesn't determine how much is invested. He can invest as much as of his income as he can, but he can't determine the rate of innovation that that school is going to operate at when it comes to upgrading facilities and whatnot. And when the when the gentleman said, "Don't come running back when you need us," look, stop! Don't why 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 are you talking to him like that? All that he's done. The sacrifice that he's already given. If you're not willing to sacrifice half of your salary to and give it right back to your employer, then don't don't talk to Dion talking about he ain't did this and don't come running back. Man, Dion has Dion is good money. He should be good money with them. Cause ain't nobody did what Dion has done. So plain and simple. He used y'all? He used HBCUs? Nah. Plain and simple, he made an investment and he raised the status of HBCUs. And a lot of folks, I ain't, I, I, once again, I went to Texas Southern. I'm, we, we're part of the SWAC. I've watched SWAC football. Man, ain't nobody checking for us, man. They haven't been and they, and the only reason why they were checking is because Dion was there. Let's, let's keep it a buck. So, if you really, if all these people that's big mad at Dion, Keep that same energy for these schools. Support the school. Just 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 support. You don't got to hate on Dion. Just support the school. If you really believe in HBCU football like you say you do, then buy the merch, go to the games, stay for the whole game, whole game. Let's 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 say that. Like let's let's keep it a buck, man. Like when we go to them games, we don't go for the game. We don't go for football. We go for each other because it's a party and we go for halftime for the battle of the bands that's why we go to hbcu football not for the games the games ain't that great the play on the field is not that great let's keep it a whole thou wow it's not that great it's and it's okay like ain't nobody mad at that ain't nobody hating like we have fun i enjoyed my time at an hbcu i enjoyed man uh, you know i hate that Hurricane Katrina happened, but I enjoyed going to the Bayou Classic when it came to Houston. Like that was dope. That was amazing. That was an, an experience. And that's the beauty of HBCU football. It's 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 an experience. It's not just about the game. It's a it's a whole experience, man. Everybody coming out together, repping their schools, repping their um frat and their sorority, and then the battle of the bands. 
it's just the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And what the bands do is some of the amazingest music you've ever heard. The drum majors and the majorettes and the cheerleader, like everybody is on point. It is black excellence at its finest. But let's not let's not get it twisted, man. Dion did something great. And y'all should just be grateful for what he did. Enjoy the time that you had. And don't hate on that man. Don't hate on that man. Period. Moving on. Okay. Reparations in California. Let's get to it. Let's get to it really quickly. Um, Let me just read this article about the Cali Reparations Task Force, which is preparing to pay out 223000 per person. That's the recommendation. All right. So this is an article. It's on Yahoo. You can probably find it on New York Times. Everywhere. There's a lot of articles written about it, but I'm reading from Yahoo. All right. So it says, are we about to see what large scale monetary reparations looks like in real time? Pause. Monetary reparations has been given out to many groups. Okay, Uh, Jews get reparations for the Holocaust. Japanese got reparations for the internment camps. Um, Native Americans have gotten land and money and so many different hundreds of million dollar settlements over over time. So. But basically, this is monetary reparations. What does it look like in real time for black Americans? All right. So let me start reading again. According to several new reports, California reparations, California's reparations task force is nearing the end of its work. And one possible suggestion in their final report would be groundbreaking. The committee is floating the idea that the nation's largest state provide two hundred twenty three thousand dollars in reparations directly to the descendants of slaves living in the state to address housing discrimination. The Daily Mail reports. And if you want to learn more about the housing discrimination all throughout the country, but there's a lot of um, very direct stories that talk about California, particularly the Bay Area. Um the Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Uh, get it on audio book or read it flat out like the story. Like you just would not believe the stories. Um, but this is recent history. This is, you know, going back to what the, the 30s, going all the way up to the, to the present day. You know, um, when it talks about redlining and housing discrimination and things of that nature. Which not only affected um and not only affected, uh, you know, where people could live, but also where people worked, um, because it was certain like cities in 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 the Bay Area, they just wouldn't let you live in certain suburbs. But like there would be factories that would be out there. And so, you know, folks would drive from like San Francisco or Oakland to like Santa Clara. Right. Or San Jose just to work. That's an hour drive. Just to work at a factory, but they but they had to drive an hour a day there and an hour back just because they couldn't buy in the homes in the subdivisions that were that were created because of the factories, because of the boom of the factories, a lot of suburbs that were created, a lot of housing, but they just were denied. They could afford it, but they could not live there just because of the color of their skin. Right. And so, um, yeah, the color of law by Richard Rothstein. Give that 
a get on get it on audible man just give it a listen it's amazing so um let me read go back to it the amount would by far be the largest financial compensation every ever every ever provided to african-american descendants of slavery as a group by government at any level in the country's history but it's far from a done deal the task forces the task force forces report won't be finalized until early next year and california state legislature isn't bound to act on any of the recommendations in the form of new legislation or ballot initiatives that might be required for proposals to become real still even a report that put such a specific number on possible compensation for slavery and state sanctioned structural discrimination is a leap in a country where it took three decades just to get one chamber of Congress to authorize a commission to study reparations. They're talking about H.R. 40. If it did not come to fruition, it would be one of the most. Ex I'm sorry, if it did come to fruition. It will be one of the most expensive undertakings for California's government ever. So I'll say all that to say this. Um, this is major progress, even though it's it's not tangible. Um, once again, California state legislature isn't bound to act on any of the recommendations in the form of new legislation or ballot initiatives. But it's a thing. You know, I never thought I'd see the day where the 13th Amendment um was on was on the ballot you know for for at least for Oregon or just anywhere you know states are voting to remove slavery out of the language of the constitution or their at least their state constitution right um uh, to make slavery illegal even if it's by uh someone being um what's it, what's, what's the language Slavery or involuntary uh, involuntary servitude, except for um, punishment for a crime. They're trying, you know, we voted to take that out in Oregon, barely, and a few other states did as well. So I say all that to say to all of my uh, fellow, you know, ADOS um, American descendants of slaves or FBA foundational Black Americans, basically Black Americans that can tie their lineage back to chattel slavery. They can tie their lineage back to the, what is it? The 1870 census. Um, if you can do that, if you know that you had, that your lineage extends back, I would encourage you to start getting your affairs in order, getting your paperwork in order, getting whatever you need to prove your lineage so that these reparations come, then you can get it. I suggest that you get on it. Start putting your stuff together, getting your family records together, all of that. Make sure the family is good. Make sure you prepare for this in advance so you're not scrambling when the time comes. All right. There was something like that that was proposed in Oregon as well. Uh, it was endorsed by Senator Lou Frederick. And it oh, what was the what was the ballot measure? It was Senate Bill 619. That's what it was. And essentially it was for the state of Oregon. And it was saying that, it, you know, it was the year of 2020, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. And, you know, folks were trying to garner that sense of urgency for making things right, producing justice for for black people in America. And so Senator Lou Frederick introduced a bill 
unfortunately he didn't get enough traction didn't get enough votes but essentially in that bill he was stating that he wanted to provide reparations in the form of um annuities paid out to Oregon residents that can prove that they have um uh lineage that goes back to slavery and there and the annuities i forgot for how many years it was going to pay out but essentially it was going to pay out 123,000 a year to Oregon residents but it was like for a specified amount of time where it was like 10 15 20 years something like that but um yeah i mean that was once again senate bill 619 you can google it uh download it it's a, it's a one page document um and it lays out everything but that was something that almost you know it not nah, won't say almost but it was something that was you know it was looked at i even called the state um what was it the the, the governor's office because I, I was trying to get in contact with mr frederick and i couldn't get a hold of him i just sent a whole bunch of emails and stuff but you know i was asking like hey is this bill still active and this is back in 2021 and they were like oh yeah no this is a uh, this is dead in the water you know this didn't make it past such and such session so yeah this isn't even actively being considered anymore i was like oh well can it be revived like no it's it, it can't but i mean hopefully let me give you their information and give you the information to his office and you can get in contact with him or someone that's in his office and maybe you can so i was trying to reach out to them and see what we could do but um apparently at this point in time senate bill 619 in oregon is it's not happening um but not to say that it can't be revived in some form or fashion and not to, you know because if if california's legislature eventually eventually gets passed then you know they could set a precedent for the whole country so get your affairs in order get your paperwork right because reparations might be coming for black americans who knows man but with that being said man i hope y'all uh enjoyed this episode tap in with me uh follow me on instagram emmanuelwilliams.co uh you can follow me on Twitter, EmmanuelWilliams.co or at SX, SX, SNDLS. Um, tap in, let me know what you think. You got any questions uh, or just ideas that you want to share for the pod? Let me know. I'm always down to take in new ideas uh, to continue to create this wonderful content for y'all. So once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next time. Grace and peace. Peace.